What's up, everybody? This is Sarah, your host of Talk to the Hand podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s, and more. Hello, 90s kids. Wow, what a week. Ugh, I don't even know where to start. It's been a hard week. Um, last week was really dark, 90s kids. We witnessed a truly traumatic um, insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, one that was clearly planned um, and was deeply, I don't know about you, but deeply traumatic um, and unsettling for me. So uh, just please, please take care of yourselves. I just wanted to start this on a note of um, it's this is this is a tough time. This is really a tough time. Lean on each other. Love each other. Stay safe. As I always say every week, socially distance, wear a mask, be a good human. Um, But now we need to be good humans more than ever. So I also would like to implore you to stay engaged. Um, This is a very momentous time in U.S. history. As I've told you before, um, my background is in history and political science. My um, undergraduate degree is political science and my master's degree is in history. So this is I'm very charged right now. Um, And if there's anything I can tell you, it's um, that we need to stay engaged. We really do. This is this is a big time. Um, I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to, um, you know, rally you up. I am just saying that because just in general, as we've seen over the last several months, um, this is this is a time for your voice. It really is. Um, so, please, like I said, please stay engaged and uh, be good to each other. Wear a mask, socially distance, and um, be good human. So that said. This week, I am all by myself. Um, it's been a while, you know? It's been a few months, actually. It was the Magnificent Seven episode was the last one that I did by myself. Um, if you haven't listened to that one, check it out. It will give you a very wonderful dose of happiness. And um, it, I, I did that after the election, and it was just it was, it was was just a very great feeling. It's a great episode, a great story. So make sure you check that out. Um, but this isn't a plug for that episode. This week, I'm talking about Blockbuster. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I had a different episode planned, but I thought this would be a great time to pull out one of the most comforting, most nostalgic topics um, that I could think of. And to me, that's Blockbuster. Uh, Blockbuster had more than 43 million U.S. household memberships by the middle of 2010. Atlas Obscura calls Blockbuster um, and, you know, rental stores in general, the representation of possibility, adventure, and very often togetherness. And that's so true. You know, that's one of the things that I find so nostalgic and comforting about it is it really was a togetherness thing, even if you were going to pick out a movie for yourself to watch by yourself. You know, you did it with others. You ran into people you knew there. You knew the people that worked there. Um, So I just, you know, I just thought this would be very comforting and nostalgic for us. And also, how many of us miss that feeling of I'm going to Blockbuster to run a movie tonight? I mean, we've been in our homes for a year now, um, binging Netflix. So there's just something very cathartic about the memory of going to the store and browsing the aisles. Am I right? So anyway. Before we get into the topic, I just wanted to make sure you are following us on social media. You can find us at TTTH Pod on Twitter and Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram. You can also get in touch with us on our website, talktothehandpod.com, or you can email us at talktothehandpod at gmail.com. Um, like always, I used a ton of really super rad sources for this 
particular episode. I will put them all in the show notes for you. So please make sure that you check them out. I'm like always, they will definitely jog your memory and your nostalgia. Okay. So without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Okay. I'm going to paint you a picture, 90s kids. Get comfy. It's Friday afternoon, 1996. You're on your way home from school, stoked out of your mind about the evening ahead of you, right? <laughs> you're going to go home, you're going to change into your comfy clothes, and you're going to hang out until you, uh, your friends or your sister gets home or your brother or whoever, and you hop in the car with your mom and any random friends who happen to be hanging out at your place that night, and you head over to Blockbuster, whoever might be staying home waiting for the pizza. For most people, I think it was Pizza Hut. But, you know, if you were in Northern California, if you grew up in Sacramento, like I did, it was definitely Roundtable Pizza, the best pizza ever. Just have to throw that out there. And that is not sponsored. Roundtable Pizza, if you'd like to sponsor me, I will happily oblige. But, okay, so you're at Blockbuster. You're browsing the aisles. Covers jump out at you with celebrity faces and bright titles in bold colors. Some of the covers even had fake blood pouches. And that's if you were daring enough to make it to the horror section. Behind the covers were copies with the famous blue and yellow covers. The new releases were lining the walls, arranged alphabetically, A's at the entrance and Z's at the checkout. And if you got there early enough on Friday, you might actually have some luck getting the titles you wanted. However, if you were there a hair past 5 p.m., good luck. Eventually, you pick out two, maybe three, if you're daring, videos that strike your fancy for the weekend, and you head to the checkout. Okay, this is the part. This is the moment of truth, 90s kids. Candy of every taste and texture tempt your taste buds as you approach the checkout. Little toys and CDs trigger your retail therapy needs, whatever retail therapy needs a little 10-year-old might have. These are truly the moments of truth. What could you add feasibly to your haul before you check out. You beg your mom to let you pick out some candy. And while you're checking out, the cashier makes a comment or two about the picks, noting the deadline for returning them is in either two or seven days by noon. They meet you on the other side of the detectors to hand you the videos with your long, long receipt, and you're on your way to the most lit 90s night ever. And if you timed it right, your pizza was either just arriving when you got home or about to arrive. And you are spending the next four to five hours in a pure state of 90s TGIF bliss. That's right. Blockbuster was one of the most notable things about the 90s. Blockbuster and pizza were like peanut butter and jelly. That made for the best 90s nights ever. Friday nights were made for Blockbuster and pizza if you didn't watch TGIF, that is. Who doesn't remember going to Blockbuster with your friends, your siblings in the 90s? It not only signaled that the weekend had officially begun, which when you're a kid, like, oh, yeah, that's that was it. But it was like the ultimate hangout, right? I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. You were always bound to run into someone that you knew at Blockbuster on a Friday night. You walked in and the walls had stars on them with major characters like Willy Wonka. While it wasn't really super impressive, the decor inside and the design was just comforting, even if somewhat plain. There were cutouts of Dr. Evil. There, there was just it, it was just very, very um, 
plain but fun. It was very whimsical. The colors were whimsical. The lighting was whimsical. Yeah, it was it was very comforting. The tapes had the Be Kind Rewind stickers on them, reminding you that to be a good human meant sparing the employees a few minutes of rewinding it in the machine or heaven forbid the next person who rented your copy. They also, you could also return videos in the slot by the door, the quick drop, which had no C in it for extra brevity, quick, Q-U-I-K. <laughs> you had to, you actually had until noon to deliver them, but a little known secret that they didn't tell you was they actually collected them at 3 p.m. So you had a little window, a little wiggle room there. There was, like I said, this element of whimsy to Blockbuster. Other video chains had it too, but Blockbuster's sunshiny yellow walls and cobalt blue end caps really created this ambiance that was just unrivaled even by its rival, Hollywood Video. So the founding of Blockbuster, let's talk a little bit about how Blockbuster came to be the Blockbuster we know it as today. Blockbuster was an American-based provider of home, movie, and video game rental services, according to Wikipedia, but we knew it was more than that. You could buy magazines, you could buy snacks, you could buy DVDs, you could even buy little trinkets, and every single 90s kid remembers those gigantic gumball machines by the exit, too, right? (laughs) How many? And they had the little spiral where they would just like travel down the little chutes. Oh, they were perfect. I mean, if I couldn't convince my mom to get me candy, she would at least give me a quarter or two for a nice, you know, gumball. So so Blockbuster was first founded in 1985 um, in Texas, and it started with a pretty modest inventory of both VHS and beta tapes. In the 90s, really, the strategy for growth for Blockbuster was kind of just to buy out a ton of smaller chains. Um, At first, in the early 90s, they bought out little ones like this one called Sound Warehouse and Music Plus. Um, They also invested in media companies. They bought Aaron Spelling's media company and so many more. Um, Home entertainment was their business in the 90s, and business was good. They were experimenting and starting to soar in the market, Um, but the CEO also knew that they had to keep up with the growing trends, knowing that on-demand and cable was growing. So they ultimately considered expansions and investments in cable, cable TV, but decided it was too risky. And if you remember, cable was really, really popping up in the 90s. We had Nickelodeon, we had Disney, we had Comedy Central, we had Cartoon Network, we had all of these cable Um, these cable channels that were kind of rivaling and Blockbuster's answer was to just buy up more chains. They just focused really on inventory. Viacom actually bought Blockbuster in 1994 for $8.4 billion. But even after they got this like influx of cash, Blockbuster still continued to sideline new creative ways to get a leg up within the inventory. In the late 90s, DVDs began to emerge as the new video medium, and Blockbuster declined an offer by Warner Brothers to partner to get early releases for a cut with Warner Brothers, which I thought was kind of silly. But, you know, Blockbuster just kept getting bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger, just by simply acquiring other video rental stores and chains. They didn't adapt. They didn't take up offers to adapt or jump on any kind of bandwagon at at least I should say in the moment that the bandwagons were hot. And maybe that was part of their downfall, but we'll get to that later. In 1998, Blockbuster launched the Blockbuster Rewards as a loyalty program. And I do not know one 90s kid that does not remember. Sorry, that was like a double or triple negative there. That doesn't remember those. 
free rentals, including one older title each month from Blockbuster favorites. My mom had one of these. And I remember I was always the one to kind of snatch up that free older title because I liked the older the older movies, too. Um, But I wasn't old enough to have my own. But the Internet, if you go online and search, just Google Blockbuster membership cards, it is riddled with photos of old membership cards. I think that is one of the most nostalgic parts of Blockbuster. People still have this little item of history. So many people still have their cards or like kept their cards or are, you know, posting pictures of it on social media when they purge old boxes. And I think blockbuster cards are truly that final vestige of of the memory, of the nostalgia, um, something that we can still hold on to literally tangibly in our hands. Um, so I definitely encourage you to just look up some fun pictures of those because it will definitely make you very nostalgic. Okay, so this is the part that fascinates me. You may or may not have heard about this part of the story, but in 2000, Blockbuster made a business decision, or rather blunder, depending on how you look at it, that I'm sure haunts them to this day. They turned down the chance to buy baby Netflix for $50 million. Netflix CEO in 2000, Reed Hastings, approached Blockbuster and asked for $50 million for the entire business. The CEO, John Anioko of Blockbuster, thought that it would be just a very small niche business and ended negotiations. At the time, Netflix was just a DVD mailing service. But I've read a few interviews of other former Blockbuster executives, and they basically just said management and vision are two separate things. Netflix was losing money. So it just at the time, it didn't really make sense to them. But I think they're probably just, you know, kicking themselves at this point because (laughs) uh, pretty sure Netflix has fully ingrained itself in our psyches, especially after the pandemic. So And you know, it's really funny. Okay, so just a little sidebar here. I am such a big nerd about business history and business stories like this. This isn't the first time that a company missed out on opportunity. Um, Other like bitter what ifs include Verizon actually shunned Apple for the first iPhone. Comcast skipped out on getting Disney. Friendster refused Google. And AOL merged with Time Warner instead of AT&T. Sorry, like I said, that's just a little side note. But I find that stuff super, super fascinating. So Blockbuster, you're not alone in this. You're not alone, but you are on the list of blunders here. And the only other bigger blunder, and 90s kids, you'll also find this interesting too, I'm sure, would probably be Yahoo, which had the chance to buy both Google and Facebook and didn't. (laughs) Hindsight, right? So, okay, back to Blockbuster. This wasn't their peak. A lot of people consider 2004 for some reason to be Blockbuster's peak. But in my mind, this was kind of the spiral downward. So this year 2000 um, was kind of where the where it's started to that was its peak in my mind. The peak is where, you know, starts to go down. Um, in 2002, Blockbuster's other big competitor, Redbox, launched. We all remember Redbox, right? Those were at gas stations or grocery stores or you you could spend a dollar to get a rental for one day. It just reinforced the idea that people wanted quicker rental options with no late fees. Um, and that was in 2002. So between Netflix and Redbox coming around on the scene and just kind of reinforcing that people don't that old that model that blockbuster relied on which was that you know browsing picking a few out and only having two or seven days wasn't really the thing anymore people just wanted quick options that they could just watch on the spot which is also why i think streaming kind of popped up when it did and took off like it did right 
Um, at its peak in 2004, Blockbuster had 9,094 stores in the U.S. and internationally. That year, they also announced their intention to pursue a hostile takeover of Hollywood video. Like I said, it's a major U.S. competitor, but it withdrew due to FTC opposition. And to try to keep up, because at this point, 2004, they're they're on their decline. They're basically bleeding bad decisions, and they're overpaying their you know executive by ridiculous sums. I've read. They started their no more late fees policy. Do you remember the no more late fees policy? Okay, that was particularly controversial because it actually charged users the full price of the movie or game after eight days, which they could cancel by returning it and paying a fee. And this was in in the mid-2000s, and they were sued by 40 states for false advertising. I mean, that's no more late fees, except if you don't return it in eight days and we're just going to charge you the whole thing. And then if you return it, we pay you. That sounds like a late fee to me. I'm just just going to put that out there. <laughs> so they promised to better explain the policy um, and they agreed to refunds and it ultimately cost them $200 million, just any late fees itself, not the litigation or anything, ended up costing the company $200 million. So here we are on the decline. You know, we have the Netflix giving up Netflix. We have Redbox coming on the scene. We have no more late fees policy, which basically was kind of another nail in the coffin. And then from 2003 to 2005, the company lost 75% of its market value. They thought about buying, and this is going to trigger, this is going to make your nostalgia like chuckle a little bit too. They thought about buying the old electronics company, Circuit City, in 2008, but they withdrew their offer. And, you know, the rest is kind of <laughs> written in the history books. It's just, it just, they went kind of down after that. I will say that Blockbuster had, although they were not as risk takers in um, adapting to new methods of consuming media, they didn't hold back when it came to other kinds of experiences as well. So Blockbuster actually, I didn't know this until now, but they ran an awards show annually from 1995 to 2001 called the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Um, and that's not, a, that's, you know, that's six years. That's not a short amount of time. It's not like they had one or two and just failed. They just, they had six of them. Um, I read that they ended their uh, awards show because of 9-11. It was scheduled right around the time of September 11th. And and um, they just decided to scrap the whole thing after that. But six six years, that's not bad. Um, they also invested in the indoor kids play place, which this will also give you another throwback, Discovery Zone. When Discovery Zone closed half of its locations and abruptly closed the rest of them, they went to Chuck E. Cheese. And um, Discovery Zone actually closed in 2001, although there is still one Discovery Zone in Ohio that was revived and opened in February of 2020, which is kind of sad. That's a really bad time to open right before the pandemic. But Blockbuster had a hand in Discovery Zone. I did not know that until I did the research for this. And Discovery Zone wasn't the only in-person blockbuster experience that they considered. Blockbuster CEO also had an idea of a 2,500-acre blockbuster sports and amusement park in Florida, which they considered all the way until August 1994. And I would like to point this out, that this is also the same time they were turning down offers and to adapt and expand, thinking it was too risky. But a blockbuster amusement park was definitely still on the table. 
Can you imagine a blockbuster amusement park? What would that even look like? Okay, 90s kids, send me a message. Let me know what you think that could be look what that could look like. What do you think the rides would be like? What do you think the food would be like? The concessions, the games, like the all of it. What would that look like? I am very curious and I know my 90s kids will have some really good ideas. So let me know what you think. There's also a concept called Blockbuster Block Party that was tested in Albuquerque and Indianapolis in 1994. And that was an entertainment complex. It kind of, it, it took place in a windowless building the size of a city block. And it was aimed at adults with eight theme areas, including a restaurant, um, laser tag, motion simulator rides. Um, it was kind of just like an adult playground. And when I was reading about it, it kind of made me think of like a festival, but maybe not like a music festival, maybe more like a 90s entertainment, South by Southwest kind of a thing. But either way, tested, market tested in Albuquerque, Indianapolis in 1994, clearly didn't have anything beyond that. So must have not have done so well, but we can only imagine what the blockbuster block party would have been like if they had continued it. So the fall of Blockbuster, um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but according to Wikipedia, um, it really had everything to do with poor leadership, competition from Netflix, Redbox, and On Demand were major factors leading to decline. Um, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010. Um, and then the year after, the last stores were bought by Dish Network. So Blockbuster and Dish Network tried to launch a new service. And I don't know if any of you actually um, participated in this or tried it out. If you did, send me a message. Let me know what you think, what you thought about it. But it was called the Blockbuster Movie Pass. And it was designed to compete with Netflix um, for $10 a month, but it folded because it was only available to Dish subscribers. Um, in 2012, Dish scrapped plans to make Blockbuster into a Netflix competitor. And the last stores all closed down by 2018, except for one. And I will go over that in just a minute because I want to talk a little bit about various 90s kids memories and the legacy of Blockbuster and you know what what it means to 90s kids. So 90s kids, one of the um, memories that I saw often recalled in a lot of these articles was um, calling the store to see if they had a copy of something and then rushing there to get it. I saw that on Reddit a lot. Renting entire video game consoles. So you could actually rent an entire console for the weekend. Um, you could get, you know, you could rent something on Friday and then have Sunday until Sunday night to beat it. Um, you could also buy pre-watched videos and games. And actually, in my in my experience, most of my movie collection came from this. I remember most of my VHS tapes were about $10. Um, you could buy the previewed copy. And then, so whenever I'd get an extra $20 bill here or there, you bet half of it would go to a use or previewed VHS. Um, one Another thing that lots of 90s kids and 90s kids at heart remember, the workers. The Blockbuster employees, a lot of people remember the employees and their vast, vast knowledge of videos. My sister-in-law was actually an employee at Blockbuster, and she's one of the most knowledgeable people I know on the topic of film, and she even got a degree in film. So yeah, the Blockbuster employees knew their shit. So they always were good at um, recommending new titles, new genres, um, 
I, I saw a quote on one of the articles saying, every time I try to pick a movie on Netflix, I miss the blockbuster employees. They really knew their stuff and could really introduce you to new titles and genres. Um, and according to former workers, it was super common for people to return the wrong video in the cases, um, which I thought was really funny. A lot, a lot of um employees talk about accidentally getting people's home videos um, and all that that entails. And um, yeah, I I mean, the workers were really, really freaking cool. I remember them being really cool. Um, another thing that lots of people remember in a lot of the articles and writing I read about um, Netflix, about Blockbuster, sorry, was the joy of browsing. That online today, you pretty much already kind of need to know what you want to watch. Watch. You can locate it and purchase it and then watch it. You can go to like, you know, browse around, um, but you kind of need to know what you like. The, the, it just is a different experience. There's something different about having the options tactile in front of you um, and walking the long aisles and just browsing. And I don't know about you, but when I sit in front of Netflix and I don't know what I want to watch or not, not, you know, not just Netflix, Hulu, any of them. And I don't know what I want to watch. I basically just scroll through, scroll through like super, super quickly because I feel like I'm wasting time if I'm if I'm not if, if I'm just browsing. Um, and usually there's just too much unless I know exactly what I want to watch. So I just end up watching something I've already watched a million times. So that was another thing was the browsing and uh, the joy of browsing um, and another way that you would learn new titles and new genres. And of course, of course, of course. Every single person remembers the golden rule of video rental. Be kind, rewind. Um, so I did want to mention a couple of articles. Like I said, I'll put these in the show notes, um, but these will definitely jog your memory. Um, there's an insider article, 11 things we miss about Blockbuster. And I'm just going to take these off really quickly so you can, uh, you can, you know, get nostalgic with me. You could easily stumble on a movie you've never heard before while wandering in the aisles. Like I just said, you never knew who you'd run into. Your local blockbuster was essentially your social scene. Wasn't it though? Like, wasn't it the off chance you'd run into your crush? You'd get dressed up, you know, just in case. Another thing we miss about Blockbuster. Blockbuster wasn't just a video store. The snack section was unparalleled. You could rent video games, entire consoles for the weekend, like Mario Party on N64, GoldenEye 007, Super Smash Brothers, and Mario Kart Legends of Zelda. They actually had everything. The possibilities were endless. Planning a trip to Blockbuster could make your entire week, and your family could bond by agreeing on a movie together and then actually watching it together. Today, people tend to separately binge watch shows on personal devices is what one of the, the reasons, one of the things that this author particularly misses about Blockbuster. In in my case, though, I feel like I watch a lot of um, movies and shows with my husband, but, you know, I think to each his own um, and her own. But uh, yeah, one of the things that a lot of people miss about Blockbuster is kind of that the family focus of of a trip to Blockbuster and watching your haul when you got home. Um, another thing we miss, it was cheap. Even back then, it was just $2.99 to rent a movie for the day compared to $14 movie ticket or a $5.99 rental fee on iTunes. You could also get recommendations from human beings, not algorithms. There's just something to said about holding videos and looking at their cover art and becoming a Blockbuster member felt like joining an elite club. 
but not everyone has rosy memories. Okay, so there was another article I wanted to mention. The other side was a Vulture article called, guys, Blockbuster wasn't really that great. And this particular writer says that gar- that Blockbuster was actually absolute garbage. And this person was actually a part-time employee in the 90s. This This author said that Blockbuster wasn't selling movies. It was actually selling a product. It didn't really matter what that product was and that the job of the store was to move the inventory, not curate art or be well-versed in it. I don't know how much I agree with that, but you know, that's the, this was, this is one person's opinion. Like I say every week, you do your own research, come up with your own opinions. Let me know what you think. Another thing that this particular author said, um, what wasn't new was through. So there was just such an emphasis on the new releases. And if you remember, like I said in the beginning, the new releases lined the entire walls and they got lots. And I mean, they like you could have one movie if it was a big deal, take up an entire wall and therefore pushing out the literal real estate of some of those older and lesser known um movies and, you know, pieces. Blockbuster was called the Walmart of video stores, according to this author, which illustrates their sales strategy and history as an industry. Goliath, which I think I mentioned multiple times, was buying up, you know, smaller chains. They achieved domination by muscling into new markets and putting locally owned mom and pop shops out of business with deep pockets and limitless resources. And I mentioned this earlier, they didn't really create anything new. They just kind of acquired smaller chains. And once the market dominance was established, it never missed an opportunity to flex its muscles. Another thing that this particular author said was not great about Blockbuster was their R-rated and under-only policy. And that meant that the store lacked an adults-only room that was usually typical of other 90s video stores. But that forced filmmakers to create entirely different often incoherent R-rated cuts of their favorite craft movies for the chain, or they lose that home rental income altogether. So we got watered down versions of movies like Requiem for a Dream. We also, this person also wanted to make sure they noted that it was also really expensive and that the late fees were egregious enough to prompt a class action lawsuit. So like I said, Not everyone has rosy memories about Blockbuster, um, particularly this employee. But, you know, I say every week, make your own opinions. Let me know what you think. So the last Blockbuster, 90s kids, I'm sure you've already heard about it by now. But you will be happy if you haven't. You will be happy to hear that there is still one last Blockbuster located in Bend, Oregon. It has an insanely loyal customer base with 4,000 accounts and more every day. And it is also a major tourist destination as well. They get people from all over the country coming just to take pictures in front of the last Blockbuster. The owner of the last Blockbuster in 2020 um, to kind of adapt to the changing um, world that we're living in this last year, <laughs> they decided to uh, turn it into an Airbnb. So they listed it for three one-night stays in September for an end-of-summer sleepover. The stay included access to an unlimited movie marathon, and the the stay was actually the price of a rental, which was $3.99, and of course, plus taxes and fees, which I'm sure were a little bit more than that. But they were, um, they of course adhered to pandemic guidelines and restrictions, and um, yeah, it just... 
I'm looking at a video of it now and it's so cute. Their little uh, Airbnb section is uh, a pullout mattress on like a sofa you would see in the 90s with this carpet that, I mean, the carpet looks like 90s carpet. There's a couple end tables. All of the decor looks very, very 90s. Um, and then it has a little entertainment unit that you would see in a very typical 90s uh, living room and the um, like a big screen TV. And even they even put up some really cool like fake walls um, and kind of like, you know, the the glass block windows to make it extra, extra nostalgic. So I will put all of these photos um, on our Instagram so you can get nostalgic with me. Um, but like I said, it became a major tourist attraction after the last remaining stores in Alaska closed. And um, they kept the same blue and yellow sign. They sell branded merchandise online. And there was a documentary called The Last Blockbuster. Um, and they had so much support during the premiere that they needed to hire um, a ton of extra help to process an influx of online orders. So that's Blockbuster. And you know what? On that very happy note, let's end it there, shall we? So that's it, everyone. That's Blockbuster. Um, I have such, such wonderful memories of Blockbuster. I kind of painted the picture at the beginning of my um, experiences with Blockbuster, but I just remember um, back in the 90s, you know, that Friday night feeling of, oh my God, I'm going to go home. I'm going to get in the car and we're going to go to Blockbuster and I'm going to pick out my stacks of movies. And I was, you know, I was kind of, I was a social butterfly as a kid, but I also needed my time home to recharge. So I watched a lot of movies and clearly, you know, we talk about movies a lot on this podcast. But um, it was just such a wonderful experience. I also bought I, I you know, I think one of the things about Blockbuster in the 90s that is especially um, understated is that they had a pretty decent music selection if you wanted to buy CDs there. Um, they were a little bit more pricey, I would say, than buying them at like, you know, Target or Tower or anywhere. But they were there. They were nice. They were there and convenient. And they also sold magazines. I used to buy my teen magazines there as well. Um, so they a lot of blockbusters had um, popcorn machines. So you could actually buy like movie theater-esque popcorn there and take that home. Or you could buy the popcorn tubs um, there. They sold them there. Uh, and you could take them home and pop it yourself at home. Um, but the blockbuster was just an experience. It was all in all an experience start to finish, even dropping it off in the little slot next to the door, the quick drop without a C was, was, an ex was part of the experience as well. So I want to, on that note, I want to hear about your experiences with Blockbuster. I want to hear how you remember it. How are you more on the side of, it was a wonderful time on, you know, like, the weekend we would get all dressed up and we would go to Blockbuster or were you on more of the side of, oh my gosh, I couldn't stand Blockbuster. I like the mom and pop stores. They took over the world and now look what they did to it. I mean, I want to hear it all. And I think, you know, video rentals is such a nostalgic. Blockbuster was not the only one. I know I mentioned Hollywood video, but video rentals in general in the 90s was so nostalgic. Even my local grocery store had a little, you know, VHS uh, video rental area as well. It was really a thing, you know, renting videos was a thing in the 90s. So let me know, what was your experience? Did you buy CDs and candy too? And also, please let me know what you think would be at a Blockbuster amusement park. So on that note, 
Um, thank you so much for listening this week, 90s kids. Please make sure you are following us on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at TTTHpod and talk to the hand pod on Instagram. TalkToTheHandPod.com is our website, and you can reach us at TalkToTheHandPod at gmail.com. Next week, my lovely 90s kids, oh my goodness, I have a very colorful episode with my friend coming your way, so please be sure to stay tuned for that. You will absolutely love it. It is one of my favorite 90s topics, hands down. And as always, please remember, wear a mask, socially distance. Be a good human. Stay home if you can. And until next week, be excellent to each other. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.